Let's pray. Lord, thank you for this beautiful day. And open us now to your incredible abundance and the blessings that come our way. Give us uh, thankful and joyful hearts and help us to celebrate regularly the life that you bring. Amen. A key part of our Old Testament story this morning is the Ark of the Covenant. Therefore, I'd like to open today with a film clip from Raiders of the Lost Ark. Anybody, anybody hear of that movie? <laughs> you may recall uh, that in the movie, the Ark of the Covenant is coveted by the Nazis who want to use it as a weapon, right? In one dramatic scene, the Nazis open the Ark to behold and unleash its power. Now, if you've seen Raiders before, you know what happens next. It does not end well for those who attempted to use the Ark for their own nefarious purposes. Oh, and don't worry, the clip will stop before things get really serious. I know some of you want to see that. I don't need it. Uh, there was more in there than they bargained for, shall we say. Now, when Spielberg made this movie, many probably thought, well, this is Hollywood talking. He was making up everything about the Ark, you know, having this ruthless sort of power. The truth is, <laughs> that scene is not entirely fictitious. The Ark did carry with it, we are told through the Old Testament, an unspeakable power, a power that was mishandled and misused by some, and they paid for it dearly, shall we say. Now, the Ark of the Covenant, more on that later, the Ark of the Covenant was significant to the Israelites for the following reasons. Uh, anybody remember what it housed in the Ark? Ten Commandments. Bingo. Literally, the Word of God. There's our mission statement. But even more than that, the Ark symbolized God's very presence with the people, which was kind of a radical notion. Now, this might seem strange, but it was an early form of the idea of Emmanuel, which means, anybody? God with us. Yeah. It was believed by God's people that through the Ark, God was present with them. And sometimes in fearsome ways, protecting them from harm. The power of God is always for good when people don't try to use God or treat God with disrespect. See Raiders of the Lost Ark. And we'll get back to the Ark shortly. Now, the Ark has uh, been around for a few hundred years, inspiring uh, and, and guiding God's people during their journey through the wilderness and when they entered the promised land of Canaan. It was there that God's chosen people fought battles, settled in the area, had judges who led them for a while, Book of Judges. But eventually, the cry went out that they needed a king. That's the way it was done. If we're a real nation, we need a king. Enter, eventually, with God's sanction, King Saul first, followed by the remarkable and towering figure of King David. You may recall from last week that Ruth and Boaz were ancestors of 
David. The truth is, David is mentioned more than anybody in the Old Testament. It was David who was responsible for the unification of northern and southern kingdoms of God's people, at least until they split up again. It was David who knew best what to do with the ark and what God's place was in the monarchy. It was King David who, who was used by God to establish nothing short of the glory years of the nation of Israel. And the idea of kingship came to be defined by David and eventually redefined by a king named Jesus. One can't fully understand Jesus, in fact, without knowing about David, the king and the shepherd of Israel. The two key metaphors, and this is in the first part of the lesson that Allison read, for understanding David as king are found in 2 Samuel 5, where it speaks of the role of king as shepherd and also the one who restores the covenant with God. Now remember when we talked about the covenant as sim simply stated, where God says, I will be your God and you will be my people. That's covenant. These two then, shepherd and covenant, are embodied in David in many ways. Jesus, the good shepherd, is the ultimate fulfillment of king as shepherd who cares for his flock. Also, if David helped Israel restore God's covenant with his people, which he definitely did, Jesus completed and fulfilled God's covenant with us by establishing a new covenant. That would be the New Testament. The new covenant is that we are part of a new creation, so live accordingly with joy and with love. Now, one must remember at this point that David, though a great king, was not a saint. Like every major figure that God works through in the Bible, uh, they are flawed, sometimes deeply. I give you David. Though often a shepherd to Israel, David could at times act more like a stray sheep. For instance, he had that little incident with Bathsheba. You may recall that. One, one, could, uh, one could call it an affair, yet uh, Bathsheba had no choice in this situation. Then David, uh, following that, had Bathsheba's husband eliminated. Uh, this sounds pretty bad, doesn't it? because it is. One of King David's qualities was his capacity for passion and devotion. And when these qualities are misdirected, you can have problems. That's true with any of us. But when passion and devotion are properly applied, the results can be great and benevolent. God could see into David, as Sinead was suggesting, inside God could see that passion and goodness that was there for real. So, can God work through people like David? Yes, God works through deeply flawed characters by drawing on their strengths, just like we talked about with Moses a few weeks ago. Leadership in the Bible and in the church is about mostly what God does through leaders, not as much about the leaders themselves. How about you? You or me? We're all compromised and not what we should be, probably. 
And yet, what this story shows is that it's not about us. It's about God. And in many ways and at many times, King David really got that. We'll see that even more in a minute. Let's get back to the ark. The ark during the days of King David. Enter the Philistines. I told you this is kind of a history lesson, but I think you'll be interested in this. The Philistines were a dreaded and powerful enemy of the Israelites who uh, coincidentally brought an end to the Bronze Age by pioneering the manufacturing of iron weapons. Big advantage. Plus, they had this guy named, uh, this big guy, what was his name again? This, yeah, that's it, it's Goliath. Uh, pr- he was a pretty bad dude, uh, without question, that is, until, until an adolescent, you know, about like Oliver, uh, took him down. Quite a story. Anyway, the Philistines managed to steal the ark from the Jews in a battle. And that's recorded in previous chapters. However, the ark proved disastrous for the Philistines because they didn't understand it and only wanted to use it for their purposes, kind of like the Nazis. And God said, no way. So they suffered, did the Philistines, from all kinds of afflictions until eventually the Philistines just loaded the ark up on some oxen and just sent it back to the, sent it back to the Israelites. Well, shortly after getting it back, one of the Israelites touched it and died, forgetting that it was forbidden to touch the ark, treat it with respect. Then later, some of the Israelites died when, get this, they opened the lid to look into the ark. Well, let's see what God looks like. And they died, just like the movie. You see, it's not entirely fictitious. The ark, as the story goes, housed a power, sort sort of like the power in a power plant. Any Israelites who were not respectful of that power paid the price. Note to self, leave the lid on, uh, many were saying at that time. Now, David um, becomes very concerned about the power of the ark and hides it at a farm under the care of a man named Abinadab. This was done to keep everyone safe, take a time out, and try to figure out what to do with the ark. After a while, David becomes convinced that he needs to move it to Jerusalem and not just have it hidden on a farm. Well, well, why? This is where the strength of David is evident. This is his leadership. David does things passionately, including loving God. Remember that the ark houses God's word and symbolizes God's presence among them. David has already discerned that the presence of God is dangerous when not respected or when used for one's own purposes. But he also knows, conversely, that the ark is a gift when understood properly. God promised to meet people at the ark, form a relationship with them, and David's kingdom will be healthiest if God's word and God's presence in the form of the ark is at the center of their communal life. David has just united the northern and southern kingdoms, and this is a grand opportunity to further unite them by restoring God's covenant with them, by making the ark central to their life 
and promoting Israel's religious life. It took some faith to trust that the ark would work that way. Uh, some faith to trust that God was good and, and life-giving after witnessing the awesome power. So, David then creates this big procession to retrieve the Ark of the Covenant and return it to Jerusalem. And so, bringing the Ark into Jerusalem is the occasion of a great celebration. It says David and all of Israel, as I said earlier, um, and as was read, they were dancing with all their might. What images do you get when you think of someone dancing with all their might? Now, that sounds like they're really partying, uh, and they were, but in the very best uh, sense of the word. They are joyful about God being with them, a God who gives life. They're joyful about God's word being given to guide them and shape them to be at their center. Psalm 150, that Allison also read, captures the spirit of that celebration. Praise the Lord, praise God in his sanctuary, praise him in his mighty firmament, Praise him for his mighty deeds, and so on and so on. Praise him with lute and harp, tambourine and dance, etc., etc. So, the ark means, and David understood this, it means putting God and the Word at the center. This is something we can emulate, or anybody. Our mission statement is all about God's word, right? Learn, live, and share God's word. Cool thing about that is God's word is, is living. It's in a person, even you and I. What would it mean to put God's word at the center uh, of our meetings and gatherings? Not that we don't ever do that, but what would it mean to be more conscious and intentional about that? A major part of our visioning moving forward is to recommit as David did long ago, to putting God, the living word, at the center of our life together. Um, on, on that little half sheet and with the sermon um, comments, jot down, take a second, jot down if you have a pen or pencil, an idea that you have for putting God at the center of our church life in any sort of setting or circumstance you can think of, something that we don't already do. Just, just jot something down. Take, a, take 30 seconds. Pass it on if you come up with something. Okay, you're on the clock. Any story like this is all about seeing yourself, seeing us in the story now. Okay, something else might come to you. We live in a world that tempts us to use, to use other people and even to use God. There are religious people who conveniently value being religious because they think it will benefit them economically. That's called using God. Or maybe they join a church and play the Christian game because they think it looks good on their resume. Or maybe someone thinks the Bible is a manual to help them achieve more success. Hey, this could really help me out. These would all be messing with fire, opening the lid, trying to harness a power for its gain. When God is at the center, God's purposes and God's agendas are also at the center, and they command our attention. What does God want for the world and for Northeast Minneapolis? What does God want from us? 
unfortunately, we already know God wants life for us, which is good news. The kind of life, life that results in dancing with all our might. But God not only wants that for us, God wants that for our neighbor too. So, as we dance, whatever your dance looks like, mine doesn't look very good, as we dance, we must keep an eye out, open, for those on the fringes and beyond who might want to join our dance, those whom God is calling us to. God, help us to let you be our clear center. Then let us get busy celebrating and loving. Amen.